Be the right club today. Yes! Yeah! I mean, that's better than most. How about him? That is better than most. Better than most! Expect anything different? Alright, welcome back, everybody. This is No Laying Up Podcast. We have back second time from cbs.com golf writer kyle porter kyle big event coming up here very soon how excited are you for the web.com tour championship coming up this weekend <laughs> well i'm bummed that uh, i believe it was Chesson Hadley. was it Chesson hadley who can't defend his uh his championship from last year did he win it last year or am i thinking of somebody else i think it was i thought it was uh the, john peterson either won the money title or won the tour championship i don't remember which one it was well, whoever it is, I mean, you you can't defend, obviously, because you're, or you, hopefully you can't defend because you're playing on the PGA Tour the next year. So, yeah, I'm I'm fired up. Web.com finale, you know, it's, it's going to be fun to see who gets on the PGA Tour for the 2014-15 season, which I think starts, uh, what, tomorrow morning? Yeah, sometime. I think, um, I doubt any of the Ryder Cup players are going to be playing in that first event, but it's basically before they get home, the 2014-2015 season is going to be underway, which... That's, that's, that's if they play the Sunday matches, if we make it all the way to Sunday. so Yeah, that's up in the air right now, I would say. Well, where do you stand as of now? Have you, like, the last time we talked, we, we, we wrote the USC ball about three months ago. And since then, I have gone gotten closer to convincing myself that it's going to be a good match, that we could win. And since then, I've drifted back further away. Where do you currently stand? I actually am kind of like you in that I, I really have been looking at it and trying to talk myself into it, and I just I just can't do it. I, I think there are a couple of things that the U.S. team does have going for it, and those are, uh, and I think both of, both of us go back to the old Bill Simmons days, so a lot of his theories, he, you've got the Ewing theory uh, with no Tiger Woods, so, so Tiger's out. You have the best player, you know, maybe ever not playing. So there, there's a there's a point to rally around there. And, and you saw that in 2008. Granted, it wasn't as good of a European team. Uh, but no Tiger, and, and that's the only time the U.S. has won since 1999. Uh, but then you also have the nobody believes in us theory. And, and I, I think you saw that a lot from Keegan Bradley. Um, whenever whenever they had that ridiculous uh, captain's, captain's pick thing with Tom Watson, and he basically was just up there for – 10 minutes saying nobody believes in us, we want redemption, et cetera, et cetera. So, and, I, and I think Tom Watson is the kind of guy that can kind of perpetuate that throughout the week uh, and, and really get his guys buying into that. And I think that, that he'll get Phil Mickelson and some of the older guys to, to, to kind of get on his side with that. And, and, you know, could they make magic happen? Yes. But I, I just I, – it's difficult for me to – see any scenario uh, in, in which the U.S. team wins. I, I wish there was. You know, I think it'd be awesome. But I, I just, the European team is so good, so good in match play especially. And, and I, I mean, I, the captain's fix, I'm just not excited about. I, I just can't – I can't get fired up about the three guys that, that Tom Watson picked. And, and I think that really hurts the U.S. team ultimately. Yeah, and uh, I know I recorded a podcast last night with Shane Bacon, so we may overlap on some of these topics. But basically what I said was, you know, based on when when Watson made the picks, I thought he made he did what I thought he would, and I agreed with him at the time. And I was going to give him a free pass on, you know, that's what the system is, until I realized how much control he had over the system. And he was basically in charge in some capacity of setting the date of when he made his captain's picks. And he came out today and said it wouldn't work logistically uh, to move back the captain's picks to the end of the FedEx Cup and his reasoning he gave, I don't know if you saw this, his reasoning he gave, the families need to plan. Yeah, I did say, well, I mean, you know, Dow Simpson, she probably has a lot of clothes in the <laughs> I, I, don't, I don't know how that works. But, but they, they get their clothes, the, the wives get their own clothes, like from, from polo and whatnot. They don't even have to pack their own clothes. They're just like, Bubba, all they need to do is pack their underwear, right? <laughs> yeah, I, and, and the other thing that's weird, and, and I'm not – I'm not 100% on this, but I'm pretty sure that he was, that, that Tom Watson was uh, kind of one of the people pushing for, because they changed it from two captains picks. Did they change it from two to three or from four to three? So in 08, 
Azinger pushed to move it to four captain's picks, and he pushed the date back until two weeks before. So it would have been like this Monday, this week's Monday, he would have made the captain's picks. And for 2012, 2010 was the same. I don't know when they made the picks in 2010 and 12, but I know they still had four captain's picks in 10 and 12. And this year, Watson basically Watson and the, wanted to get rid of the captain's picks. Essentially, I mean, he, he wanted qualifiers on points, and I think McGinley was kind of saying something along the same same uh, regards. But he they they lowered it to three basically because they didn't want as many captain's picks, which I just don't understand. That I would think you would want more control over who's on your team rather than you know a, a guy that was hot in January or February that got in on points and is, isn't in very good form. Well, and and he and that's what Watson effectively did was went on uh, on points. I, I mean, he he. I mean, other than, I mean, uh, Mayhan Simpson and and Keegan were like, you know, if you go if you extended the points list eight people, I think they were all included in that. And and he just skipped over Chris Kirk and and uh, Harris English and and whoever. So yeah, I mean, I don't I don't love it. I I do wonder like if. Not if he had to do it over again, because I think you're right. I, I think based on when he picked, um, he he would have done the same thing. But if he was picking on on this Monday, the day after, or, or yeah, the day after that Horschel won the Tour Championship, who he would have picked? Does he? St- I mean, you got to pick Horschel, so that's one. I think he mm-hmm. still goes Keegan. Um, and does he go? Does he go Mayhem? I, I, Simpson, I just. I don't, I don't know. I, I mean, you and I are, are pretty adamant about that shot he hit on Sunday at, at Medina. It was just like, <laughs> oh god. I mean, that that could that could kill a career, honestly. That Kyle, shot it, all, hit, it almost hit. It almost hit me. It almost hit me. And I was downtown. <laughs> yeah, you told I, me that. I wasn't even there. I was downtown, and that ball almost hit me. <laughs> uh, yeah. So I, I just, I, I do wonder who he would have picked if he got to pick on Monday. Yeah, no, I think Simpson would have definitely been cut. And I, I think I, I, he'd have a hard time going Kirk or Mayhan over Kirk. But at the same time, when he announced his captain's picks, he said to Mayhan, he's like, be ready to go all five matches, which is going to be awkward if he only plays one match now after saying that. But <laughs> he, uh, I don't, there was no cut at either the, um, what is it, the BMW or the Tour Championship. I think Mayhan finished in the bottom ten of both of them, if I remember right. I mean, it uh, it was a he had a hot two week stretch and I said you know that hot two week stretch and the experience factor and the fact that he's you know overall a very good player just had a bad year I thought he was made a good pick but yeah he followed his win with a, a 64th place finish a T59 and a T23 at, out of 29 people so ugh, ugh. well he, yeah he's also been he's been strangely good at match play because I I don't necessarily think. You know, I know Mayhem's a very good player. Um, you know, he's consistently been top 40, 30, 20 in the world. Um, the only guy to play in all seven tour championships since the since the playoffs started. Um, but he, he's not like – I don't think of him like I think of Rory or Phil or, or anybody like that. But he's been really good at match play. He always plays well at, at Accenture. And then his Ryder Cup record is, is pretty good, I think. I think he's got like four or five wins to only two or three losses. Yeah, um, the uh, the combined record of the three captains pick of things was like seven, five, and three. So they do have, and, and you know, they were on losing teams. All the man was on the winning 08 team, but uh, it's that's that's actually that's pretty impressive considering that you know they lost in ten and twelve, um, and that they, those guys have winning records. But I think what the the team, U.S. team that does have going for them is you know that the European team isn't coming in exactly blazing. You know, I mean like. Poulter has quietly had a really, really iffy year. I know he turns it on every year at the Ryder Cup, but I wouldn't rule out that he could. this could be the year where it kind of flips on him. I mean, he's really shown no form any recent time, any, and in any of the recent months to make you think that uh, – yeah, I know he, can, he has the magic wand in the Ryder Cup, but I'm I'm not that scared. That could be my famous last words right there, but – He's going to go five and zero oh now. I mean, I know. there's zero, there's zero chance that he doesn't go. The other guy that I that I look at that actually hasn't played that well, um, the back half of the year was Keimer. I, I mean, yeah. he, he obviously had the players in the U.S. Open, but he, he wasn't good the last three or four months of the season. And in, in, um, so I, you know, obviously he he's got the experience having made the winning putt in in 2012. But it, you're right. I, I think that it's it's and and I don't know you know who knows how much of that is 
or, or when you actually get to the Ryder Cup, if it even matters if, if you're great going right. in or if you've been playing well going in. You know, you saw Brant Snedeker uh, after he won the the, uh, the Tour Championship, because you know, he's the captain's pick, and, and then he goes, you know, I think he went one and two in, in, in the Ryder Cup. So it, it's, you know, it, 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 it can change once you get there, and, and I think a lot of it is, you know, have you been there? Have you made those clubs? You know, Tiger this week said I – I mean, he said it as only Tiger can, but he said, "I'm not." I, my instructors that I've had, they don't understand what it's like on the back nine of a major when they have the lead. And it was a, it was an arrogant, you know, Tiger thing to say, but it's true. And 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 you know, there are only a few of guys who know what that's like. So it'll be interesting to see how how they handle it. Yeah, I, I, there are. You're right. There's so many variables, and you could be like as hot as possible, you know, two weeks before the tournament, and it'd be gone. Come that. Ryder Cup Sunday, and even like looking at prior Ryder Cup records, it's like you can shoot seventy five and win a match. Like if you're if you're up against Andrew Coulthard or something like that, or Tiger <laughs> last year on Friday or in twenty twelve on Friday, Tiger I think shot six under or something. He he played excellent in his uh, the Friday four ball uh, match in the afternoon, and Nicholas Coulthard shot sixty two and beat him. It's like yeah. it, it completely depends on what you go up against and. Like it's yeah, so it, it's it, like a, making made fun of me last night for being very politically correct. Then you know anything can happen in match play, but I mean the way the, the matchups play out is it's so random who you end up paired against, and it's uh, it, it really anything can happen. It's, okay, I, got, I was thinking about this today. If you're Tom Watson and uh, the you know the people running the event, Ryder Cup comes to you and says you can trade one of your guys. For one of the Europeans for the week, who, who would you trade and who would you trade him for? Oh, that's a really good question. Uh, I'm taking Rory. I don't care about Poulter's Ryder Cup history or that's a message he's doing for me. I'm taking Rory. He's the best player. Um, and I'm giving up probably Webb. I think I'm giving up Webb. What about you? Not Furyk? Not Furyk? No. I, look, if Furyk sits four ball, I'm fine with it. Okay? I'm fine with it. <laughs> Furious Ryder Cup should be a thirty for thirty. <laughs> it'd be a it'd be a ten for thirty or something like that. That's, <laughs> that's what the record looks like. No, but seriously, if you back out his four ball record, he's one eight and one in his career in four ball. Like that is unimaginably pathetic. Like, it, and it's not like alternate shot where like it can really mess with your head. Like it's just four ball. Like he just what for whatever, whatever reason he fails at this format. So if you take that out, he's eight, nine, and three in his career. So basically 500 record, you know, and, and considering how much the U.S. has lost on the team that he's been on, that's not terrible. Like, so in an alternate shot format, who wouldn't want a guy that's putting it down the middle of the fairway every single time, right? Yeah, I mean, I mean you're like you're like 380 out, but you're still in the middle of the fairway. <laughs> uh, yeah, I think I would give up – I think Webb – and this is going to be strange, but I think I might give him up for Grant McDowell because I think secretly that McDowell is a big – I think he's kind of the heart of that team in a lot of ways, and not not completely. Like, I don't think if you take him away, you automatically beat the Europeans, but I think he really, really cares about it, and I think that, you know, some of their younger guys look to guys like him, and strange as it sounds, Sergio, you know, Who's getting? What is he? Thirty three, thirty four. But he's but he's mm-hmm. played a lot. He's been there a lot. Um, you know, he, I, he's probably played in six of those, seven of those, whatever. Um, so I, I think I might I might take. I mean, the obvious choice is Rory, but I I, I think that I might uh, I might take Grant. Yeah, I could see that. I have a random question I just thought of. So, what Lee Westwood was considered the biggest snub for the European team. So let's say. You get the offer that Lee Westwood can be on the team, but it's you mean Russian... Luke, Luke Donald? I'm sorry, yeah, yeah, yeah. Luke Donald can can be on the U.S. team for whatever reason. You can put Luke Donald on the U.S. team, but you have to play Russian roulette, and one of the random twelve guys on the U.S. team has to get chopped off of it. Would you take him? No, I, I don't think so. I, Luke Donald doesn't doesn't do a whole lot for me. I mean, you, I, I saw the stat today that. He made he he made like ninety one percent of his putts inside ten feet this year and okay like you can you can take that and you can have that I, I just I, you know I, I don't know what his Ryder Cup record I think it's actually been pretty good uh, it's very good for, yeah for 
Um, but I just, uh, no, I, I don't think he could do that because you've got the chance that you lose a, a, a Fowler or um, I'm struggling Say to come it. up with another, another name that, <laughs> that I'd be bummed about losing. <laughs> I thought you were going to go Bubba. I really did. No, I, I, I was, but what, what, I need to pull this up. What is Bubba's record? It's not, it's not that great. I guess he's only been on two teams, but. Yeah, I was surprised that he's only been on. I mean, he's career five five and one, so okay. he's 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 got decent success. But um, on international soil, just with the way Bubba is right now, I can't. I was literally so upset when he said he's going to be on his best behavior for the Ryder Cup because I was looking forward to this being a complete spectacle. Like for once, I'm forced to root for him, but I just I couldn't wait for just to see how big of a scene he would have caused over there. <laughs> What, what do you have for the first? Which, by the way, we're throwing not only are we throwing Bubba, Bubba Watson and, and Patrick Reed at this event, but we're throwing uh, this the Scottish independence mode into the mix. I mean, I, I don't I don't know what's going to happen. Like we like like Bubba might never make it back to the United States. <laughs> he might get deported though before the matches even start. <laughs> <laughs> what, what's your over under? So, so matches start uh, I think one a.m. or two a.m. that Friday. Over under for the first uh, pray for Ted Scott tweet. Oh God! I mean, <laughs> I think it's going to be part of like my uh, whatever tweet I send out before I go to sleep that night. It's going to be in my in my bedtime <laughs> prayers. They'll be pray. <laughs> I will say, and you were right, you tweeted this, I saw it, the, the coolest thing that Bubba's ever done was having the crowd cheer for him at Medina as he teed off, and it, it was, all, like, that was true, that was a cool moment, like, that, all, everything else aside, that was really cool, and then he comes out, and, and I get, like, why he wouldn't do it over there, but he, he just, like, I feel like he's just so tone deaf when it comes to the way that, that you know, that the golfers handle themselves. So the, all the points that Rory McIlroy hits or that Ricky Fowler hits, he just misses them all. And, and yeah. he's just I, – I just – I don't know. I don't get it. Yeah, I that I was there that first tee when he and Poulter pumped up the crowd. Like, it was, it was honestly probably the coolest thing I've ever seen in sports. I mean, I was 10 rows deep, couldn't see a thing. And I – like, the, my, the hairs on my arm were standing out. The chants were so loud. It was awesome. And then, yeah. he's, and then he comes out. He's like, "Oh yeah, I'm not gonna do that anymore." I'm like, okay, well that that actually fits the bill perfectly because you are. What was your? So you were at, you were at 2012, obviously. What was your like? What was maybe that was it? But what was the moment that 20 years from now you will still remember? Like, what was the best moment from that week? Oh, that was yeah, that's an easy one. Well, aside from that moment right there, which doesn't really involve golf, it was just the, the sheer excitement for the first tee, but. Uh, we sat on the 15th green, which is a drivable par four, and we 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 went way ahead and uh, we waited for the groups to come through, and the U.S. came through and all four groups won the hole. So the crowd on this hole was absolutely amped up, and Keegan made that 35 foot putt where that the, you know everyone's seen the gif of it and the video of of Pepsi swinging the flag around his head like a helicopter. Like, that place was absolute, absolute hysteria, and he, he went absolutely nuts, and uh, I could, the, the, we were just chanting, USA, and it just it never happens at a golf tournament. I've been to tons of golf tournaments before. It's just a completely different experience, and like I always said, the, the Ryder Cup is more about that fan experience than it is the, the, the golf course. Like, you could almost ignore the golf course, like... No one's really talking about Glen Eagles at all or how that plays. You know, usually leading up to a major, we're talking about, you know, Pinehurst or whatever. No one's talking about Glen Eagles. It's all about, you know, the atmosphere and just the pressure because it doesn't, the course doesn't really matter. It's, it is just it's a completely, completely unique event. And uh, that's why I made the case. I was talking, and Shane and I talked about this yesterday too, was I like to see the Ryder Cup be every other year, mainly just because, well, to have it only on U.S. soil every four years, like, it's just such a big gap. And I feel like it's something that could develop a lot more golf fans if, they, if you know, you were able to attend something like a Ryder Cup instead of, you know, having to come to my backyard. Otherwise, I don't know if I would have ever had an opportunity to go to a Ryder Cup. Yeah, I, I know. I, I heard, well, before I, before we talk about that, uh, the, the flag wave, the Pepsi flag wave, one of my friends actually texted me today that, that he and his wife are pregnant, and all I sent him back was that was a link to that gift. 
I swear, like you, like, I'll, I'll have him listen to this and every email you. All, all I said back was that yes. It was, it was amazing. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, I, I do. You're right. I, I listen to you and Shane talk about that, and I, I think, ah, you know, I, 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 I think that. You make a good point that, like, because it's only on American soil every four years, like, like nobody, I don't think non-sports fans are going to watch this year because they have to get up at three in the morning to do, or excuse me, non-golf fans are going to watch this year because they have to get up at three in the morning to do so. So it's almost like it's not really, I mean, it's, it's happening, but I don't know that that many people in the U.S. outside of the hardcore golf fans are, are paying that much attention. Right. Well, I mean, think about, the World Cup, that's like the one event where the like the Americans truly, you know, unite and, and tune in and pay attention to their country in an international competition. What's second on that list? Is it the Ryder Cup or is it, I mean, the Olympics, yeah, but that's a ton of different sports. Like what what, what other team event is, is, you can't tell me the FIBA championships are like, or above the Ryder Cup. Is that, like, is that over? Is that still going on or what? That was that that ended on Sunday as well. That got about as many viewers, I think, as uh, as the tour championship did. But uh, uh, though, what is the event? Yeah, I don't know. It's not the World Cup of Baseball if that still exists. Uh, I, you know, I, I I think it's probably something like if you want to narrow it down, uh, maybe like like U.S. gymnastics. Um, or, or U.S. basketball at the Olympics. Yeah. Um, but but even that is kind of – and the other point about the World Cup is that, you know, you saw this year because it was in a, a similar time zone to where we are that I, I feel like, the you know, that was a factor of many factors, one being that the U.S. was pretty good, um, why, why so many people tuned in. And, and people talked about how when it's 2018 in Russia and it's on at one in the morning. Like that's that's not good. Like that's not a good thing for the sport. And so right. it, it it is almost like a Ryder Cup. It only happens once every four years, just because that's that's when Americans watch it. It's once every four years. Right. That's good. Yeah, that's kind of what I was getting at. And it's uh, something about the team aspect in golf too, because we really don't. I mean, all right, Presidents Cup. The Seve Trophy, the Eurasia, whatever. All right, so let's lump all those in a bracket that's extremely far below the Ryder Cup. Like, there's no real good team event in golf, and the the fact that it's for your country too. It's it, that's why it's so awesome amongst golf fans. Is it's truly just the most unique event of the year, and I, I don't think I don't think it adds to the experience having it only every other two years. If anything, it's like you almost kind of forgot about what happened two years ago when the event comes back around instead of if it was annual, those memories of Poulter's eyeballs bulging through my screen, like would be, would still be burned in my memory a lot more than they are. haven't been two years ago. I, yeah. I, I think the, uh, you also eliminate, uh, you know, this, this two year kind of running total of, of a point system where it's like, if somebody won the masters in 2013, you know, they get points towards the 2014 Ryder Cup, which is like 19 months away. It's kind of a, a strange system. Yeah, um, but it's discounted at 50%, right? Like the, yeah, the it 20, is. Yeah. It, it, yeah, yeah, it is. But, and I don't think uh, anyone really got in on 2013 accomplishments, if you look at it. The, I mean, that's, I'd have to look closer, but um, maybe, I mean, Reed was boosted by his win in last August, but other than that, I think, Maybe and Phil, really Phil. That's his his uh, British Open win is what helps him get in. I think I think Jimmy Walker got in like in three tournaments in November that nobody knew were even taking place. Um, right, but that's still this season though. Yeah, no, it's true. Um, the, the thing I was going to ask you is where do you where do you rank the Ryder Cup? Not and and I heard you and Shane talking about you know which would you rather win, but. If you could, I mean, what are your top three sporting events? Like, like if you're picking three sporting events for the year that you get to watch, uh, golf or otherwise, is it in the top three? Is it in the top five? Is it number one? What, where would you rank it? I think it's probably one for me just because of the golf sector. It's not the best event. It's not like better or bigger than the Super Bowl, but it's kind of like a lot of my friends that I that I hang out with a lot will have zero interest in this, right? But I will, like I will be there on on my couch watching this for eight hours because I I'm passionate about it and I truly care about it. So 
in that regard, like, like when I watch the Super Bowl, I rarely have a rooting interest. I'm kind of just there to watch the Super Bowl. And I, mean, I love football. I love watching it. And I'll bet on it. But, like, it has nowhere near the emotional attachment that, that, that like, the Ryder Cup has. So, in that regard, I think, I mean, definitely over, like, a World Series game, um, Super Bowl or an NBA Finals game. And, I mean, World Cup I get really excited for just because, of the, like I told you, the USA factor. So, yeah, I would have to say this. I mean, the, the Masters is my favorite event of the year when there's in a non-Ryder Cup year. So I would probably still say I love the Masters more than I love the Ryder Cup. But it's, it's, those, are, those, are, those would be my two. What do you, what is, what's your take? Yeah, I, I go Masters one. I, I think if we, get to, if we get to include it as a whole, I go NCAA tournament two, um, just, just for everything that goes along with that. And, uh, you know, that, that's a, it's, it's a bigger, it's a longer event. It's a month-long deal. So I, I don't know if that's fair to include something like that with a three-day uh, event. But then I would, I would probably go Ryder Cup 3. You know, I, I think that, you know, World Cup's in there. Uh, but it's, uh, you know, both of those kind of, obviously, they, they rotate they're every two or four years. So it, it's it's definitely top three or four for me uh, on, on any given year. Did you see uh, did you see Jeff Ogilvy compare the Ryder Cup to the 100 – the hundred meter dash in the Olympics? No, I didn't see that. What's he, he now there? He, well, he said it was. It's the most exciting event in sports. More exciting than the Super Bowl. The only thing comparable is the hundred meter dash in the Olympics. And I'm pretty uh, sure that's that's the first time golf has ever been compared to anything that Usain Bolt uh, has, has has done or uh, accomplished in his life. No, no, I can easily see where he's coming from there. That that hundred meter dash that's over in ten seconds versus literally 10 hours of golf coverage on Friday and Saturday, and there's not even a trophy given out until Sunday. Now, I can easily see the analogy there. (laughs) (laughs) You know, I I do – we need to do – first of all, we need to do our our top ten tour sauce rankings. Uh, But we also need to do, like, a top ten – uh, like quotes in golf, and I and I heard you and Shane talking about Rory and the and the Tiger deal and how I mean that was so stupid. We don't need to get into it, but you know who the guy Jeff Ogilvy's got to be top top five in terms of like just guys that give great quotes about uh, about golf and and who who are really like thoughtful uh, dudes just about about the sport. Yeah, uh, I I think the guys like that are really like we talked about are really hard to come by. I think the more you're going to see a microphone in front of Billy Horschel, the more you're going to get at that. Like the guy is absolutely fearless when it comes to confrontation. Like I don't know if you saw this last night. So he just won thirteen million dollars or whatever on on Sunday, or eleven million dollars on Sunday. He his wife went into labor as he got home on Tuesday. He's literally in, like waiting for his wife to give birth. And he weighs in on Twitter on the fact that DA Points was playing in the Tour Championship and taking uh, the Web.com Tour Championship and taking a spot away from somebody. Like he just went out, <laughs> called him out. His, his baby's literally like three hours away from being born, and he's calling out <laughs> DA Points for playing in the Web.com Tour Championship. I love it. <laughs> is there is there like if if if, uh, if there was like a third team in the Ryder Cup and it was just Billy Horschel, like would you root for the U.S. or just Team Horschel? I, I would, I would uh, declare my independence and root for Horschel. <laughs> I'm pretty sure. <laughs> but I mean, like even like on Twitter, he entertains me so much because like I tweeted something a while ago back when I was on the Brennan Todd train for the Ryder Cup about like I just like compared Todd's uh, record against Snedeker in all events back when I thought it was going to be Snedeker. And I tweeted something. He just weighed right in. He's like, "You can take, you can take Todd on your team. I'll take Snedeker any day that ends and why." It's like, what yeah. other golf, what other golfer would weigh in on that? And I give his opinion on captain six, knowing that like there's a risk that Brennan Todd would read that or whatever. But I feel like he would say that directly to Brennan Todd's face if he wanted to, you know? Yeah, no, I, I did see that, and I, it's it's really interesting to me because obviously you had the Rory controversy and at the Walker Cup in '08 and. I feel like he's got a little fu to him. Not that he's a bad dude. Like I, I think that people like him, and and I think that, you know, I think he's very well liked, and and that he's, you know, he, you know, I, I think he does get a little emotional and and out of control sometimes. But so what? Like I'd rather that than like Jim Furyk moseying around the course for five hours, just hitting like 195 yard drives down the middle. Like I, I, I just, and I wrote this on Sunday after. The, it was either after the BMW or the Tour Championship, but 
he's really good for golf. And, I, and people haven't realized it yet just because nobody's paying attention um, because NFL's on, going on and, and whatever. But he, you know, along with guys, I mean, he's young. He's, what, 28 or whatever, along with guys like Fowler and Steve. Like, he's he's very good for golf, and, and he's very outspoken, and he's fun, and he's emotional. I mean, he's – he's and I, I, I think I tweeted this. He's the perfect Ryder Cup player. Like, you could not – you could not give me a more perfect Ryder Cup player in terms of emotion and, and desire, and he just—I mean—he's basically our our Ian Poulter in, in, when it comes to stuff like that, and, and I, it's a shame that we don't that we don't get to see that. Yeah, but I thought the way he handled that Ryder Cup stuff was perfect, which is shocking considering our man crush that we have on Billy Horschel. <laughs> really shocking take there, but like he felt so. He's like I didn't play good enough in, in time, like, and he's right based on the system the way it is. Like he, like I said, he handled that perfectly. Uh, I just think, like, so we followed him when we watched him, we watched him at Hilton Head this year, and he was playing horrible. He literally didn't make a birdie for, like, two days. And just, like, his his overall vibe on the course, he, like, approaches it almost like his, his threesome or his group is, like, a team game. And, like, he's always, like, really audible and, like, rooting on the guys he's playing with. He's, like, like you, you, hear, you hear guys, like, mutter under their breath, like, good shot every now and then, but, like, you know, if somebody hits a really good shot, he goes, like, out of his way. Be like, yo, great shot, great shot. Yeah. yeah. I just thought yeah. it was really cool. It was, like, an awesome environment around him. He was playing with Kirk, and, like, Kirk is just, like, 30 beats a minute, his heartbeat. Like, he, he literally shows not an ounce of emotion. And, like, Horschel's, like, trying to get him going or get the group going in some way. Like, he just couldn't do it. But um, I think the more – I can see how he could rub people the wrong way. Um, just it just – like that situation right there, like that probably didn't go over real well with Chris Kirk just because Kirk likes to be on his own. But I, like I said, I think he's great for the game. I hope more people become become aware of him. And uh, I just hope I, – I was telling somebody, I was like, it sucks that the season ends right now for how good he's playing. But then you think about it, you, you literally could not peak at a better time. Like you cannot make more money in three weeks playing golf than he just did. Yep. No. Uh, I, I mean, uh, Bacon said it. I looked at it uh, today. His 14 or whatever, close to 14 mil, uh, or I guess he made, I think, 14.8 total this year, including the, the FedEx bonus. Uh, 91st all-time on the money list just this year. So <laughs> I, it's it's unbelievable. And, and uh, yeah, I mean, I, it, it's a bummer that, um, that he doesn't get to be on the team this year. But, I, it, you know, if his form continues, and, and we've seen people's form not continue, but, it, it, yeah, I, you know, 20, what is it, 2016 Ryder Cup, let's do it, you know, bring it on. Whoa, I think. whoa, whoa, whoa. But let's not just skip over the 2015 President's Cup here in Korea. <laughs> Come on. <laughs> there, Don't there, tell me. There will literal. It'll be, and I'm stealing this from Shane, but it'll be me, you, Shane, Jonathan Wall, uh, Sarson, and Sorry. like, uh, and like Doug Ferguson watching the, the 2015 Presidents Cup. <laughs> By the way, is there a way that we can? You guys talk about this, but can we like, can can the American Ryder Cup team be the American Australian Ryder Cup team? Uh, I, I that, just, that's the only way we could start to even the even the scales here. It's like just become I think Shane said Eastern Hemisphere versus Western Hemisphere. Can we have South Africa too, maybe? <laughs> we need to just combine with the international team and to take on Europe the way things are going these days. Well, all right, so talking about I was thinking about this today and you know, all of these we're talking about loving Horschel. And Alan Shipnick wrote an amazing piece today checking in on Anthony Kim. And I got to admit, like, when Anthony Kim was big on tour, I wasn't really nearly as involved in golf. I was, like, still in college for part of it and just wasn't nearly as into the golf team as I am now. Like, if you think we have a man crush on Horschel, and we do, can you imagine what no laying up, how nuts we would have gone in for Anthony Kim in his prime? Well, the, the Shipnuck thing, it, it reminded me that that, uh, that Kim beat Sergio like five and four in singles on Sunday in 08. I mean, he just torched him. Well, and I think the, the, amazing, like, the amazing thing about that was he didn't know he won when he won the match. Yeah. I, re- I remember, I, I don't remember that happening at the time, but I remember reading about it like this year or last year or whenever I was starting to, you know, obviously cover and, and get really into it. But he, yeah, he, he was just, 
All, all he was—he was just making birdies, and he would just looked up, and it was over. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, but man, you talk about a guy that just doesn't fit the mold. That you know, I think it's kind of just give goes driven away by the scrutiny that the media kind of put on him and the expectations and just affected his lifestyle that really fit in with the rest of the tour. Like, my God, how much could the game use a guy like that right now? Yeah, absolutely. And, and you know, he, he would be, or he is, was kind of Ricky Fowler-ish, but better. I mean, he won more. Um, and until this year, he had had more success than Fowler at the majors. He was, he was as, as uh, Paul Azinger called him, he was a, a, a emotional juggernaut, which I thought was just a, a really interesting description of someone. And uh, just talking about him at that 2008 Ryder Cup, and and you know, obviously he went to OU, Fowler went to Oklahoma State, but I, I yeah, I mean it, it it is it's a weird deal, and and just the whole thing, like I mean, Shipman did a great job, he always does, but. It, it just him like holding like I I don't I I guess I didn't really get it because it was saying if he never plays again he has this insurance policy. Well, is he going to get a doctor to tell the insurance company that he's not injured so that, or, or, that yeah. is, or, or that he is injured so that he can receive the money? I mean, I, it, how how is that going to work? Like I, I guess I just don't. It, I, I feel like I have more questions now than I did before, and not because Ship and I did a bad job, it's just because there's a there's a lot going on. There. No, there's. Uh, I I, can't, I agree. I, I came away with a lot of questions from that, and I basically what I was going to say is we need a GIF of like twenty suits in a boardroom, like reading something and then breaking out in hysterical laughter. Because how can you read that and even imagine paying out that guy ten million dollars based on this? Yeah. Like, you know how much? He's still under contract with Nike. Like I. I, I, the whole thing is just—it's so bizarre, and the people who are well, really close. To let's him back it up. Let's back it up real quick for those that didn't read it. That basically he has this insurance policy that I'm, I was assuming is tied to injury. That he's going to get paid over ten million dollars if he never returns to the game. And the way those insurance policies typically work, like like uh, like talking about college football players that take out policies, like. Basically, if you get a career-ending injury and you never play, you can settle and, you know, get that money from the insurance company. But let's say you blow your tear at your ACL, but you get drafted in the fourth round. Like, you don't get, like, you don't get money based on how much money you lost or if you would have been number one overall draft pick, et cetera. So, basically, he would have to convince this insurance company that he medically cannot go back to the PGA Tour when it doesn't sound like, like – a golfer's career is a extremely long time, especially in today's day and age. And like Sarson made a great point today, he's what eight years younger right now than Jason Duffner currently is. Yeah, like yeah, you, you can't tell me that his golf career is over based on this injury, unless it's a lot more severe than that. That article made it sound. There's no way they're gonna like you know how much legal battle you're gonna have to get that settlement. Like no one's just gonna give him that, that money away that quickly. Well, and when will you even get it? I, I mean, well, I, 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 what, yeah, what, if the, you, what if you get it and you come back? And then you then you decide <laughs> you're healthy. Yeah, the, the whole thing is 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 weird. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, it's a, it's a bummer because he was exciting. I, I do remember him. I'm, I was at the Masters where he shot. I, I think he shot 64 on Saturday or Sunday. But he was. I mean, we we haven't really had a 59 watch at the Masters. I don't I don't know. I I can't ever remember one. But I I think he was he was kind of sniffing 59. I mean, he was it was like 11 birdie. I mean, it was absurd what he what he was doing. Um. So yeah, I mean, he's he's as talented as they come, and it it just it it, it sucks that you know kind of what it's turned into. Yeah, but here's what I, here's the other thing I took. So that was the main thing I took away. But like, the guy's not collecting that insurance policy. And I don't know that much about insurance. But it doesn't sound to me like he's going to get paid on that. Next thing I thought of was, the scene I thought of was the scene in The Godfather, where uh, Michael said, and I, I don't remember the scene specifically, but I think it's he he uh, he says different things to different people. And I think it's Barzini that he says something to, and he figures out that Barzini's the one that sells him out and Barzini gets killed. Spoiler alert, sorry. What are the chances what are the chances that 
one of Anthony Kim, someone in Anthony Kim's posse is going to be floating in the back in his pool in his backyard at some point because whoever spoke should not have. Because I don't, I, don't yeah. I, can't imagine, I can't imagine Anthony Kim reading that article today is that thrilled, and he's going to be trying to sniff out which one of his buddies ratted him out. Well, the, the details that he gave, where he said it's the, the insurance policy is closer to twenty million. How many people know that? It can't right. be that many. Like it, it, like I wouldn't tell anybody that. You know, I would tell, I guess, like my my very closest friends. But what is that? Like three people? I mean, it, it's not going to take a long time to, to figure out who Shitback was having barbecue with on on the day that he came down here and, and talking to. Like I, I just. Yeah, the the whole thing, and and we all you know we all joke and and continue to joke online about uh, somebody getting the ultimate Anthony Kim story, and, and Shipnut did a great job with it. And I you know he couldn't he couldn't get Kim or his parents or anybody like that, but he got as close as he could uh, without getting him. No, that's that's why I said it. it was like he literally did the best he possibly could with the story because you know, yeah, really kill it. You got to talk to Anthony, but that's not going to happen. Um, I've always kind of been. You know, it's, he's just become this legend on the internet, and it's just this guy. Like I said, I don't have the, the best memories of him. I just don't really remember when he was at his peak. And like, the more I researched it and read about it today, I was like, can you imagine? Like, I mean, like you, you made the Fowler comparison. I mean, he was more successful than Fowler. Like, imagine if Fowler just disappeared off the planet, like, like got yeah. hurt and then never played again. Like, we would do the same exact thing with Fowler. Like, it, it's like guys just don't disappear from the sport like that, and like I said, the, the, your career is so long that we're used to guys hanging around forever, the Jeff Maggers and the guys that just don't ever go away. Like, to lose some, a young American star in his, in his mid-20s, is just, it's mind-boggling. Well, and the part that doesn't make sense to me, and, and this was kind of a, 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 I don't know, a logical fallacy within it, was that it, it, it seems like he, he is staying away because he doesn't like the fame, and yet he drives. He drives a Rolls Royce around Dallas and and parties at these crazy you know nightclubs that I've never even I live in Dallas I've never even heard of um, and, and 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 so it's like well which one is it like I, I get it if you're a reckless and and you don't want to you know do the whole Phil Mickelson thing and whatever but it seems like he he enjoys you know the, the pain that goes along with being um, a, a great golfer but. He's still not returning to the tour. I just, I, I don't, I don't know. It doesn't add up. Yeah, you know who likes the fame the most are the people that say they can't stand having all the fame. Like, <laughs> no, like ask, like Bubba acts like he can't stand the, the that part of it. But like, ask him if he would trade his millions of dollars back to, to have to not be famous. No, no one's doing that. Ask Tiger the same thing. You, you're trading all those millions of dollars. You know, to not have, to to be able to go to a movie and not be recognized. No, nobody's doing that. Like, I, I know. Okay, I, I I I wrote this last. I think I wrote it last October. Would you rather be Tiger Woods? Like right now, if you got to pick, like just somebody who you would become, uh, would you rather be Tiger Woods or Jimmy Walker? Uh, Tiger for me because like so I I I have an ego as is, and I don't even play for I don't even play. <laughs> I don't even play professional golf. Like, I need, like, a talent of some kind to match my ego. So, in that regard, I would want to be Tiger. Like, I would, uh, I wouldn't, I don't think I would care about, you know, not having a private life. If I had that much money and I was that, like, to, to be able to walk into a room and have, like, complete control over it no matter where you went, I think that'd be pretty cool. That'd be a pretty cool power. But, um, I see where you're coming from. I don't know if Walker is the right comparison. If you would give me, like, you give me like Charles Howell the third or something that's made a ton of money in golf, but can go out to eat and do whatever he wants. So that'd be a little, maybe slightly different, but I'd still want to be Tiger, known as the greatest golfer of all time, potentially. Like, I, I, I think I could put up with that. I mean, I've been able to put up with my my fame so far this this far in life, so I think I can handle I can handle a little bit more. This is this is why you and Bacon said that it's more fun to play as a twenty handicap than a two because a two has the ego but isn't actually as good as he thinks he is. <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, so that was all right. awesome, by the way. I laughed really hard at that. <laughs> we well then you know the the twenty handicap that shows up on the first tee and knocks a four iron from two forty to ten feet and makes a birdie on the very first hole you play with them like somebody I know. 
So and then and then I and then I hit like a like I hit about two eighty on the second hole to within like thirty yards and made like a seven on a part four. So that yeah, was, so, that so this was, is what happened. Porter shows up. He like duck hooks his first drive, but it hits a tree and bounces out into the fairway. He literally got two forty in, and he. Uh, <laughs> He, he murders a four iron to 10 feet and then rolls in the putt. And then he gets up to the second tee. It's like a 330-yard par four, and he murders a drive, literally 30 yards short of the green. And I go to him. I was like, what, what's your handicap? He's like, oh, I'm like a 20. And I was just like, oh, here we go. Like, There's no way I'm playing this guy for money. And he, he proceeds to make three chips and I think three putts and made seven. I was like, all right, you know, all right, you might be right. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I'm in, I'm in. Let's do it. <laughs> <laughs> so we've we've been talking about doing this for a while. And I, we just haven't been able to to tinge, uh, to put it to paper yet. But the tour sauce power rankings. It may just be easier to talk about it on a podcast rather than actually draw them out. But we do need to get Sarson involved and put gifts to this. But yeah. Uh, okay. So so. I think we can both agree Tiger's number one, right? Like, he's, he's forever entrenched at number one. Yeah. Like, he basically almost kind of invented it. Um, <laughs> I think, but, like, today, I think that – so, like, the the best tour sauce to me – and if you listen to this, you know what tour sauce is, but it, chances are you don't. It's basically, like, things you do on the golf course that only a tour guy can do. Like, if you did it with your buddies, you would look absolutely ridiculous. But – it all started with me and my buddies play golf, and we would just act like we were playing in front of a gallery. And it became this, this side game that became infinitely more funny, and we would just keep trying to one-up each other as far as, like, the ridiculous things you could do on a course that a tour guy can do because there's a gallery there watching him, but you can't do it if you're just playing a foursome with your buddies. So you roll on a 15-foot birdie putt, and your buddy says, nice putt, instead of saying thanks, like, you wave, like, like you're the crowd applauding for you, or if you hit a wayward drive, you point so the marshal up in the fairway is going to help you find your ball. So <laughs> since we wrote that article, it's become this thing of everyone pointing out anytime somebody does a wayward drive point, which is still my favorite. Like if you do the wayward drive point, it's just like an immediate like it's hilarious to me. So we look we trying to rank the guys that do this the most of any of the guys on tour. And Tiger's definitely up there, but some really sneaky underrated guys like Justin Rose and Speed are really, really saucy. Had big years when when it comes to the thoughts. <laughs> Justin Rose is incredible. Like he is so underrated when it comes to by the way, my favorite uh point in that away where drive is when there's a panorama of the entire T box and <laughs> You have you have all three players, all three caddies, and like four marshals pointing. It. I mean, it's, it doesn't get better. It doesn't. It doesn't get better than that. That's our 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 Twitter background is like Louis Ustase and Charles Schwartzel and every marshal pointing pointing right for the waiver drive. <laughs> but one of my favorites is uh, I don't remember if it's Brendan Porath or Trevor from Tapping Golf that had had a vine of two marshals standing next to each other and one of them is violently waving left like the drive is going way left and the other one the other one's waving like it's going directly down the middle and they just start looking at each other like having a competition for who can point in the direction that the drive that was, is going uh, wasn't that at the British Open like like uh, on, on Sunday maybe or, or Saturday or something uh, I don't know. Well, I'll have to I'm find pretty it. Sure, I'm pretty sure it was uh, it was in Rory's group. Um, it might have been Rory, but at, at the British Open. Speaking of vines from the British Open, maybe maybe the funniest vine or, or just like little clip of, of the golf season was Mickelson saying he wanted to get a driver at the British Open, and <laughs> and and, and, uh, and Bones starting to say something, and they just like staring at the ground for dead silence. He didn't say anything. It's like a six second vibe. Like I think drivers to play here. And it's literally just Bones staring ahead in dead <laughs> silence. <laughs> no, but, but back to the uh, back to the church stuff. I, yeah, I think whenever I write this, and I am going to write it, but whenever I write it, Tiger's going to be number one. I'm not going to write any words. I'm just going to post the, the gifts of him from Harding Park at the uh, – Oh, yeah. At the President's Cup in, what was it, 07? Nine. Nine? Oh, nine. Oh, nine. Yeah. 
where he, he that, temp struts it, the four iron. Yeah, he hits a four yeah. iron from the fairway and yeah. just walks after and he, it. Like. He twirls it like 45 times somehow from, <laughs> from when he lets go to when he catches it. He almost <laughs> beat the ball to the green. He started chasing that thing so quickly. <laughs> Oh, man. And your favorite Tiger Tour moment was at Augusta? Yeah, uh, 2011, Sunday, five iron from the top of the hill. He peers it. It's it's right at the flag. And he just starts to, like, lazily walk after. He doesn't give it the full chase. He just, like, starts to slowly move while doing, like, a shoulder shrug with the club twirl as he's walking. <laughs> and it's just, like, it's the, it's the most big jam moment ever. I know that's Phil's thing, but it's, like, yeah, and that's going within five feet, and he just he sticks it, absolutely sticks it. Like, it was the, the coolest moment. He missed the putt, of course, but that, that is yeah, that's one of, of my favorite sauce moments ever. But uh, uh, we've had so much fun with the tour sauce. Just, like, see it. Like, we've made up 45 different things that can be done, and, and there's still new stuff that pops up that that we could be, that we could add to it. <laughs> I'm I'm really – yeah, it's been – it's made – you know, kind of sometimes mundane tournaments, a lot of fun. Um, and I'm glad that, that people are in on it. Like, it's, it's been a really fun thing. And Sarsa made all the gifts for I mean, it's just, it's cool. Like, I, I feel like it gives, and, and this is a, I, I, don't, I don't mean this in a bad way, but just like a, the younger, like more um, web-savvy audience, like, yeah. like something to laugh at and, and have fun with. So it's been a lot well, of fun. Yeah, my favorites are ones that like the 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 players are just honestly truly being ridiculous. Like after like the the spike mark claim is ridiculous. And the the one of Wes Simpson where he called his caddy in to look at to look at the spike mark that caused him to miss the putt, that might be one of my favorites of all time too. And like whenever they hit a bad shot and they look at the lie really confused, like it's the first time their ball's ever been in the rough. Or uh also, like the, the I, I do this too. This is one of my favorites. Like after the bunker shot, is like wiping the the sand with your feet as if that does something. Like the caddy still has to get in there and rake it, but wiping the sand with your feet as if like that's all that needs to be done. <laughs> I think my my favorite tour shot moment this year. I, I I I'm presuming it was a tour shot moment because I've never seen it happen before. Um, and I, and I wish there was a way for you guys to make this your logo somehow, but. Was Bubba making Ted Scott tee up his ball while holding an umbrella at the at the, uh, at the PGA Championship? I mean, the the picture I forgot who tweeted it, but the picture of Ted Scott trying to hold an umbrella over Bubba, who's like who's like six two, and yet still trying to tee up the ball. I mean, it was unbelievable. It was like it was like a, a kid trying to measure how tall another kid is by like spreading his arms apart and, and going from. The top of his head to the ground. I mean, it was unreal. That, that was that, that might have been my favorite moment of the entire tournament. In, in Ted's defense, and you know we're a big Ted Scott house, okay? We are that guy's always in our thoughts and prayers. But in his defense, the ball was already on the tee. I don't know if this is worse or better. It was already on the tee, and then when Bubba started complaining about water being on the club face, he cleaned the ball off and then replaced it on the tee, all while holding the umbrella over Bubba. And then it still went in the water. Like, I thought that Bubba was going to throw Ted in the water right after it. <laughs> that that round, I, I think it was Friday's round, because I don't think he made the cut. Or he barely uh, made he, the cut. He did. That was Friday, yeah. That round, when it rained and, and Bubba was, I mean, that was shit. That was incredible. That was an incredible day for Twitter, for golf Twitter. It was, but I feel like... We overdid it to the point where the, that kind of dominated social golf social media that morning, and Bubba finally caught wind of it, and like is that's kind of when he apologized and almost he claims he's going to stop doing it. We know he's not going to. At least he's a lot more aware of it now. Like the tide was really starting to turn on him a little bit to the point where like Golf Digest was writing articles about you know all the tweets that people were saying about him, and I feel like we almost kind of we got in our own way of like all this free material he's given us. We like. We shot our load a little bit, and now he's aware of it. He's not going to give us as much material. Where does your Where does your boy Horschel rank on your on your on your uh, tour stop power ranking? He's really not that saucy. When you, I can't really think of that much stuff that he does other than after every putt, 
he he has to talk about it with his caddy. I love it. He's like, he misses like a 40-footer, and he's just like, oh, I can't believe that broke that way. But, like, he means it. He doesn't mean it, like, in a, in a blaming way. He's just like, he really honestly expects every putt to go in. And he just, you know, he'll always be motioning a certain way or some kind of uh, some kind of animation of what he thought the putt was supposed to do. But uh, aside from that, he he talks you know, he talks to his ball a lot. But he, he uh, does do the uh, he does the two finger wave, which is incredible. The two um, what's that one? Oh, just the crowd. Well, wave. like the like when he's on the tee box, like he won't he won't give the full wave of the hat the hat uh, hat tip or anything like that. He'll just go two fingers like and kind of turn them. Like, he's, like, you know, he'll yeah. just throw it, like, it's almost like deuces, but he'll just, like, kind of throw it up. And he did it, he did it on the 18th green after, uh, or maybe he didn't do it, but he, it was when he, at the Tour Championship, when he looked at the crowd and, and, like, grinned, or maybe he was looking at his caddy, like, after he knew he had won. I feel like, I feel like that was a little, little tour sauce going on there. Well, he does have an anti-sauce move, too, that I absolutely love, is we watch him, when we watch him at Hilton Head, when he hits three wood off the tee, he literally just throws his ball down, and then he takes he takes his three wood and like makes a tee out of the ground, and then just rolls his ball onto it. Like it was wet; it rained the whole time we were down there. So his ball ended up being somewhat wet, but he literally just hits three wood off the deck. He makes like a little tee for himself. He would just smack his three wood, roll the ball into it, not clean his club off, and then he would just go. And he plays so fast; like it was just awesome to watch. But that's to me tour guys who won't see like not tee the ball up anytime they can. Yeah. I two two final tour stuff thoughts. One, Rory we can agree has taken over the, the club's twirl from Tiger, right? Yes, yes. My favorite was the you posted this one I think when at the PGA when uh he the ball's in the air and he, he's like watching it and then it sticks to a foot and the the ball's already stopped rolling and then he club twirled and then he just did it. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, and then the other thought is, I feel like Fowler has gotten uh, sneaky, like has has kind of sneaked up the the tour top power rankings because you mentioned it earlier. Every seven footer that he misses, it, he goes he goes arm in the air and and looks over at, at Joe Scobron. And every every one, like like he he looks back, arm in the air, like I can't believe it broke up. And he he always he always motions at it, like he's like he's like throwing his arm at it. I mean, it, mm-hmm. it's incredible. It's, it's solid. He's, of course, he's. I mean, he's learned. He's, he's got Nicholson as as his. Uh, yeah. He looks up to. So he's he's learning from from the veterans. I feel like I, the more I think about it, Nicholson really isn't that saucy. Like he's not guilty of that of that many of these. But yeah. So uh, let's talk a little bit about what to expect sauce wise for the Ryder Cup. The bet, the biggest guarantee that I promise that you're going to see is a Jim Furyk bad shot going straight to the rehearsal in the rehearsal. <laughs> Is after the bad shot, standing there in the fairway and just trying to figure out what went wrong with your swing, like doing the slow motion take back, like trying to figure out what went wrong with your back swing. And you know, he's, in every missed putt he's going to have, he's going to go redo the putt. But it's the one time of the year where you can go re, actually redo the putt after the rehearsal. So that would be yeah, Vegas, guarantee. Vegas doesn't have uh, Jim Furyk, Tour South Ryder Cup odds on the board. They, they're it's, just not even going to put them up there. Cause it's minus 2,000 if it was up there anyways. But, <laughs> and then the other one is Keegan is king of the tragedy after a missed putt. Like he, <laughs> I, it's, it's not befuddlement that the putt broke a certain way. It is literally like his favorite pet just died because a putt hit the lip of the hole it didn't go in. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, I can't wait. I, I'm I'm so excited about the round. I was thinking about it today, and, and I, I do some college football stuff. I've got my own site for that, so it keeps me busy. But I am so fired up for the Ryder Cup and, and just, you know, what I, I have no idea what's going to happen. I mean, we think we know what's going to happen, but it's just going to be so much. It's such a spectacle, and it's it's just so much fun to watch and to cover and, and to weigh in on. Um, so yeah, I'm just I can't wait. It's gonna be awesome. By the way, I, I did want to ask you. You need to tell the uh, the presidential soft story real quick. Uh, the the tweet you sent or the picture you sent? Yeah. Oh god, that was that was amazing. So <laughs> you just you sent me a picture on Twitter. It's of Obama giving some kind of speech, and there's a marine or a, some kind of uh, military man holding the umbrella over him while he gives the speech with the most serious look on his face while Obama is like, 
in action mode with his hands with the speech. And I was absolutely dying. I had to get up from my desk and walk around. I, we're going to have to put all this stuff that we're referencing in the actual, like, podcast post so you guys have any, some kind of idea what we're talking about, if there's anyone uh, like, Ted, listening. True or false, Ted Scott has that picture framed in his living room right now. <laughs> That's Ted Scott's goal in life, is to, to be there holding the umbrella over the president someday for some outdoor speech in the rain. Exhausted, uh, Ryder Cup and the door sauce. And, uh, yeah, if there's anyone else left, it kind of feels bad at this point. But this was a lot of fun, man. Thanks, uh, thanks a ton for coming on, as always. So. Yeah, absolutely, man. It was a blast. Uh, I'm fired up for our, uh, our 2 a.m. Twitter combos about the Ryder Cup. And, uh, yeah, let's do it again afterwards. Right around the corner, man. So, uh, we'll talk to you soon. Thanks for tuning in, All everybody. Right. Thanks a lot. Kyle Porter from CBS. Thanks, guys. Be the right club today. Honey, that's better than most. How about him? That is better than most. Better than most! Expect.